Good afternoon, Los Angeles and all of Southern California. I'm Farley Malaris, and you're listening to Astrological Metaphysical Radio, the phenomenon of the 80s. On KFOX 93.5 FM, your talk alternatives. And hello, Southern California. Welcome to yet another exciting edition. And this, of course, is a continuation of yesterday's program on the 12 Houses of Life. So if you heard yesterday's program and you enjoyed it, then today definitely would be a show for you to tune into. And today's show is called specifically House Combinations. And what we're going to look at, of course, astrology is a science of correlations and combinations. And I'm going to give you some examples of some of those correlations and combinations. Because the astrology natal chart that we are born with is a reflection of character. So we are going to see if we can discover some character in today's show. And I know you're saying, oh, that Farley's a character, isn't he? Actually, we are all a bunch of characters. So I think today's show is going to be rather exciting, and I think it's going to be enlightening for those of you that, of course, also studying astrology. Yeah, so these transits are pretty far out, aren't they? At least we got a moon-Jupiter conjunction trying the sun. Hey, that's not so bad. A lot of people are having throat problems, I understand. And I understand uh, about that for sure. So uh, watch those dairy products, definitely, (laughs) definitely keep your eye on the dairy products. Watch the cow. If you listen to yesterday's show, and you are going to be so happy that we're having a follow-up to today's show. Yesterday we talked about the 12 houses of life and about how important the rising sign, also called the ascendant, is. We identified the 12 houses for you. And basically, I want to remind you that astrology is a science of combinations and correlations. And in order to get the reflection of the being in the chart, what we have to do is analyze each and every part of that chart. Now remember, there's only 11 basic factors to any one astrology chart. It is where the rising sign is. It is the placement of the other planets, the 10 planets, uh, actually the 8 planets with the sun and the moon, meaning where's the sun, where's the moon, where's Mercury, where's Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. What sign are they in? At the same time, what house are they in? And how are they aspected? And in today's show, we're going to take a look at some sample combinations to teach you how to interpret your own charts. If you're becoming an astrologer, this will help you with your own interpretation because true astrological code and ethics, actually, in my opinion, is to reveal character, to reveal self, to help the individual understand the self and therefore validate the essence of astrological vibrations by helping someone see themselves in the natal chart. So in today's show, it's real important, first of all, to remember key words and to try to mix things together. When we look at some sample combinations, I may ask you to write things down so I can show you how we can combine things to get understanding, to discover uniqueness, to discover karma, to discover factors that actually create the human being, and also to discover where a person is coming from at any given moment what their destiny is for this life cycle, what their karma is, what they are meant to do. So fascinating topic for basic astrology or even advanced astrology, astrological interpretation. In order to be a good astrology student or in order to be a good astrologer, it is so important that you take the time to memorize certain basics. And actually, I always recommend these books, Secrets from a Stargazer's Notebook by Smith 
and Astrology for Yourself by Block because they do offer a lot of the basics for memorization. Of course, the best book I can ever remember for basics is Derek and Julia Parker's book, The New Complete Astrologer. In order to handle this particular topic, the homework you have to do is to find out, number one, what the 12 signs of the zodiac are and memorize them in order. Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces, and then get down the gist or the essence of what each sign's vibration is. Basically, Aries ruling the self and the childhood, Taurus, the values, Gemini, the mind, Cancer, security, Leo, creativity, Virgo, service, Libra, balance, Scorpio, intimate balance, Sagittarius, philosophy, Capricorn, logic and ambition, Aquarius, intellect, goals and friends, and Pisces, the spirit. So you need to memorize those signs and keywords or phrases that will connect you with those signs. That's homework number one. Homework number two is to understand that each and every astrology chart you'll look at, all it does contain are those 11 factors. Remember, the three major factors are the three majors of any part of any chart, the sun, the moon, and the rising sign, and the eight planets that I've mentioned before besides the earth. Then getting keywords down to associate with each one of those. Rising being character and personality, identity, the self point, the I am point, the God particle, the uniqueness it has chosen, the moon being the emotions and the mother, the sun being the father and the creativity again, Mercury, once again, brothers and sisters and the mind, Venus, values and love factor, Mars, life force and battery, Jupiter, philosophy, also expansion, Saturn, karma and contraction, Uranus, awakening factors and enlightenment, Neptune, illumination and spirit, and Pluto, transition and intimate balance. So if you memorize the signs by essence and the planets by essence, yesterday we did the houses in detailed essence, you get the planets down, the signs down, the houses down, and once again, just basically the first house being childhood factors and personality, second house being how the being values life, third house being how the being communicates with others, fourth house being where the being lives, fifth house being the creativity of the being and the children it might make, procreation and such, sixth house health of being and service of being, seventh house partners, balance and marriage, Eighth house, intimate marriage and bonding. Ninth house, optimism and philosophy. Tenth house, career, logic and karma. Eleventh house, goals and friends. Twelfth house, spirit and enemies. So if you get down these basics, see, there's you can add a lot of words here. See, I just spewed that out off the top of my head. And notice the correlations. Notice that each sign has a planetary ruler, has a house that rules also. In your studies and in your memorizations, you'll find it that much easier to know that Aries goes with the first house and also goes with Mars, and to know that Taurus goes with the second house and also goes with Venus, and that Gemini goes with the third house and Mercury, Cancer the fourth house and the moon, Leo the fifth house and the sun, Virgo the sixth house and Mercury, Libra the seventh house and Venus again, Scorpio the eighth house and Pluto, Sagittarius the ninth house and Jupiter, Capricorn the tenth house and Saturn, Aquarius the eleventh house, and Uranus, and Pisces, the 12th house, and Neptune. See, they all correlate, or they all fit, or they all control each other. So memorizing the signs, the planets, and the houses is easy, because once you realize that you have a flow chart that fits in, where each sign has a house and a planet attached to it. Isn't that fun? And then getting down the basic meanings of the aspects, too. Basically, we talk about aspects all the time. Those words like conjunction, which means planets are right on top of each other, 
within a six-degree orb, usually eight degrees on each side. Sextal, which means planets are two signs away approximately from each other. Square, which means planets are three signs away from each other, approximately. Trine, which means planets are four signs away from each other. Also, the inconjunct are the quinks, which means that planets are exactly five signs away, 150 degrees away, 30 degrees always to each sign. Then the opposition, which is when planets are exactly opposite each other. See, now, if you get down what I just taught you, the homework I gave you, memorizing the basic essence of the signs of the planets, of the houses, which all coincide, right? Then the aspects. And you understand that basically conjunctions mean that planets work off of each other or the energies of the planets usually combine. Once again, we're talking about combinations today. The sextal is a potential force. It usually reflects a deed that was done in a past life and some ease or something that could make us lazy in this life. A square is identified as a karma that we have with ourselves or a debt we have to ourselves because we don't know how to treat ourselves, lacking self-respect or mutual respect for our souls and our bodies. The inconjunct of the quinks is a guilt aspect where we put ourselves in positions with other people that try to be negative with us or try to make us feel unbalanced because energies don't mix. And the opposition is the karma that is created when we usually create people in our lives that are not right for us. So they catalyze growth, and they catalyze sometimes suffering if we don't process that individual. So this is like the basics of astrology, combinations. If we took a look at some wild, wild aspect, right? Let's take a look at my Mercury in the 10th house, in Leo. And let's write down some of these combinations. Mercury is the planet that rules my mind and how I think and rules communications. It also rules the media and brothers and sisters. It just so happens that Mercury in Leo means that I have to be a creative mind. This is my character reflection. See, when we analyze a natal chart, we tear it apart, planet by planet, rising, moon, and sun included, and analyze every possible correlation we can find. So Farley has Mercury in the 10th house in Leo, conjunct the sun, conjunct Pluto, square my moon in the first house, and trine my Jupiter in the second. And that Jupiter is retrograde. So to understand how Farley's mind works, or anyone's mind, we need to analyze that Mercury. Well, it just so happens I'm in a career where communication is absolutely necessary, and that's why Mercury is in the 10th house. So I have become the most natural thing I should become, Mercury in 10th. happens to also be radio, seminars, lecturing, using my voice for success, and my personality, all those things that embrace Mercury. Mercury is conjunct the sun, which gives me that much more of an extrovert flair. It's like a Leo-Gemini quality that combines from the Sun-Mercury conjunction. Pluto also conjunct that Sun-Mercury conjunction in Leo is my intensity, my deep passion, a Scorpio addition now from the Plutonian energies, a need to transform self and others in my career. See how that works? And the Sun being my father before I broke away from my dad and his business, and decided to go on my own. I worked hard with my dad. A lot of people that have son in the 10th house have karma with father in career. And wow, did I have a lot of that, and I'm glad that's over with. Then that whole grouping, that sun, Mercury, Pluto, right? We're still looking at Mercury, is square my moon in Scorpio, which means I am emotionally involved in my career. I am directly involved in career from results of first house matters, childhood matters, because that's where the moon is. See, we combine every possible thing we can find in that chart, knowing these basics that we have memorized already. And I take things personally. I can be put on the defensive. 
and I have been known to leave careers or change careers because of getting too emotionally involved or taking situations too personal. I can't handle being depressed and working in any career situation. That's all from that moon square Mercury. Then I have Jupiter in the second house in Sagittarius trining all that grouping in the 10th house. Mercury and the sun and Pluto in Leo, which also tells me that Farley needs to have fun. He needs to be philosophical. He needs to be funny. And he needs to expand from this career. And also, if he does have fun because Jupiter is in the second house, then the money should be there. Even though Jupiter's retrograde, it's not always there unless you work hard or do something to make people feel really happy. But at least it does work. Now, see, that was just analyzing one itty-bitty planet. And and notice, (laughs) excuse me, in the analysis that I looked at the planet, I looked at the planet in the sign it was in, in the house it was in, the sign was Leo, the house was 10th, what planets were aspecting it, Sun conjunct it, Pluto conjunct it, Moon square it, and Jupiter trine it. And then I put that all together to understand how Farley thinks, how his mind works, and where he's at mentally. And we find out it's all focused on career, childhood, father, ambition, success, communications, happiness, philosophy, and that's so true. That's so true. And that's where you can really get the power of astrology. I almost turned my mic off just then. What, where were that places? <laughs> you want to see what it's like if there was no astrology, all right? <laughs> Scary, isn't it? Anyway, <laughs> okay, I'm okay. Anyhow, let's continue. Let's take another look here. Let's say that somebody has Saturn in the seventh house in Virgo, and it's trying their sun in Taurus, and that Saturn is conjunct Venus, also in Virgo, and the Saturn and Venus are at 15 Virgo each. They're both at 15. The Sun and Taurus is at 16 Taurus. That Sun's in the 10th house. And then that Saturn in Virgo is squaring Mars in Sagittarius. Let's get that right. Virgo squaring Mars in Sag in the 9th. And that Mars is at 11 degrees. All right, now let's analyze Saturn. Saturn is a planet that is karma. Okay, it shows us where contraction is. It is conjuncting Venus, which is the planet of love. So there's restriction in this house. It happens to be Virgo. So that means there could be a problem with work or health concerning seventh house matters, which are relationships and balance and or marriage. So a person with Saturn or Venus in Virgo in the seventh house might have a karma connected to career and relationships. The Saturn is trying the sun in Taurus, which is down here in the fourth house. So we have the Sun in Taurus trying that Venus-Saturn in the 7th. So this shows a positive vibration connected with the home from Sun in Taurus and uh, Saturn and Venus in the 7th house. So there is actually an emphasis on residence and relationship situations for this person. And they're also obsessed with relationships from Saturn in the 7th because Saturn usually shows obsessions. But with the Mars square shows an inability to hold on to relationships or constant struggle. See, because Venus and Mars are both square each other, Mars is square Saturn. So this person might have lots of people they live with, roommates, family, even friends, people they live with. But as far as relationships are concerned, they might be too independent for Mars in Sag, square that Saturn, Venus. And also, if they are in a relationship or married, then they may need a lot of freedom and space or their mate may require a lot of freedom or space from that Mars square Venus and Saturn. See, astrology takes time to analyze. And when you're looking at a complicated planetary configuration, you've got to take the time to write down what everything means. Venus means love and balance. Saturn means karma. They're conjunct, so that combines. Love and balance are karmic. 
They're in the seventh house, which is the house of balance and love and commitment. So that combines, still karma. They're trying the sun, which is a good vibration, in Taurus, which shows us that because this person is a good business partner, perhaps they'll be good in real estate or they have a nice residence to live in or they have good roommates also that live with them in the home. But square Mars, when love and romance enters the picture, that's where the karma is. There's lots of independence and freedom from Mars being in Sag in the ninth house. It sounds complicated, but it's not. It takes a little time to analyze and figure out. But if you learn your keywords, like I said at the beginning of the topic, and you memorize your flow charts, right? You get your essence vibrations down of all 12 houses, of all 12 signs, which correlate to those houses, and the planets that also rule the signs in the houses, right? And you get down what the rising sign means, and you get the gist of how to look at a chart, how to find the rising sign, how to find the falling sign or the descendant, then how to analyze aspects, then you will be on your road to astrological awareness. That's another edition of Astrological Metaphysical Radio. Hope you liked it. See you real soon. Weekdays in the Fox at 12 noon. Bye-bye.